Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Darcy, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing okay. I'm a little frazzled, trying to get my life together, but I'm headed to New Orleans tomorrow for the final four, so I'm trying to, like, wow, get all my work done. exciting. And, yeah, I've been working, like, the whole day. haven't packed a single thing yet. Yeah, so I need to... Good times. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hectic right now. Seriously. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's, um, let's talk about this little case that I found before, which okay. I thought was interesting, because we've talked about the national parks on several occasions, but so I thought yes. it was just, it's not a murder, but oh. I thought it was interesting. Man banned from national parks for organizing a 139-person Grand Canyon hike. Whoa. Did you see this? I did not see this. So evidently, a Washington state man faces probation and a multi-year ban from several United States national parks after he pled guilty to misdemeanor charges stemming from a 139-person group hike he organized in the Grand Canyon in defiance of park guidelines. So this man from Chehalis, Washington, pled guilty to violating park rules limiting group size to 11 people on October 2020 when he (laughs) went for this hike. He served two years probation and will be banned from entering national parks in northern Arizona, including the Grand Canyon, during that time. The National Park Service first became aware of his plan September 2020 when Grand Canyon's permit office received a tip that a large group of more than 100 people was planning to hike the canyon October 24th. The tipster sent a screenshot of a post by Mount in a private Facebook group noting that he had 112 committed hikers going from 12 different states on this big hike. Oh my gosh. Talking about the importance of taking precautions so they wouldn't draw attention to themselves. Grand Canyon National Park has a limited size for under-the-rim groups of 30 since 2014, and it was further lowered to 11 after COVID. So when Mount spoke to the park's permit office, he said he was bringing a group of 12 people. When advised his group was slightly over the limit, he asked him about the possibility of splitting up to comply with the park rules and was informed this was not allowed. However, he kept the hike going and gained access to the park. They also told him that he could not hike the canyon with an oversized group, and that meant that when the hike went ahead as planned, rangers were in place and witnessed the whole thing. So they prosecuted this guy. But what do you think about this case? Why? (laughs) He had up to 150 people, they said. Why? That he had only good intentions in organizing the event and intended for it to be a respite from the solitude imposed by the pandemic. I, I don't understand why. Like, I, like, nothing that you have said has explained to me why he would do this. Why he would go build this large group of people and go Not to the park? Not only that, but... No, In defiance yeah, of regulations. Knowing that that's against the regulation and, like, then putting info out there about how to get away with the breaking the rules. So clearly you have no pity no, for this No, why? I, what, <laughs> Zero what's he pity do? for no. this guy. Because, look, he's going to bring 140 people to the Grand Canyon. They, do they have enough staff in case anybody gets hurt or dehydrated or lost? I mean... Yeah, I guess that's something to take into account. Like, what? A, no, I don't have any, any sympathy for this guy. There's a reason they have... <laughs> there's a, look, I, I am n- notoriously a rule follower. Breaking rules makes me... It gives me anxious tummy. But, like... There's a reason that rules like that are in place. It's not just because they're like being curmudgeons. Like they, they don't have like they don't have the resources to handle 140 people in one yeah. group. Like what are you and doing? Not to mention the fact that where are they going to go to the bathroom? So a lot of these places are like uh, potty and yeah. packet. 
you got to pack it out and there's only a limited number of the little potty packs and they, if they have porta potties like who's going to take care of cleaning some of the stuff up for yeah, the restrooms like, and things of that nature so there's a lot of things involved yeah, with this. like that no i don't have any soap this is stupid you're stupid <laughs> i have very strong feelings i kind of had this. a feeling you'd feel this way <laughs> Why are you bogging the court system down with your Thank stupidity? You. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Quote unquote Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's an interesting yeah. little side note of the case. <laughs> but um, today I'm going to talk about another case that has kind of come back into the news. I mean, it's an older case, but uh, the gentleman, one of the guys, there are three men that were involved in this, and one of them is now coming up for parole. The other two have already been set free. But interesting okay. case. And it is the Chowchilla kidnapping <gasps> of 1976. So let's do a little bit of a flashback to 1976, right. right? So we have some major coastal flooding that year. North Sea Coast, there were 82 deaths and $1.3 billion in damage that where, year. Where was that? Um, North Sea. Okay. The North okay. Sea. Um, there were commercial service begun that year for the Concorde oh. from London to Bahrain and from Paris to Rio. Concord, yeah, right? Huge earthquakes in Guatemala killed more than 22,000 people. There was a huge swine flu outbreak at Fort really? Dix in New Jersey that year, which it's like you think all these are more common right. current names, but this stuff happened. The Lockheed Corporation had a huge bribery scandal related to Japan, and that was like got all the major headlines I on that think one. Prince Philip was involved in that somehow. Yeah, that was a doozy. Um, 1976, Fidel Castro comes into power, and the Cuban Constitution is adopted. You said 76? Big one. So the, there was somebody else who was president before that, but he became president that year, and the Cuban Constitution was adopted as gotcha. well. Yeah. So it just it turned into sort of a different kind of a thing then, as as we. Oh all right, know. now they're democratic. Got it. <laughs> yes. Um, Northern Ireland Constitution. Um, convention was dissolved yeah. and it was direct rule of northern ireland from london yeah. that year which was huge. that was really bad yeah um the first of 4.6 miles of washington subway system were open that oh. year in washington dc apple was found that hey. year by jobs and his crew and the first apple one computer was put nice. out uh the yuba city disaster happened in may and it was the deadliest road accident in U.S. history, killing 29 people at that point, which is interesting. I think that has since been surpassed. The Teton Dam in Idaho collapsed that year. Oh. Air France Flight 139 was hijacked by the Palestinian <gasps> Liberation Ooh. Organization. That was God, a big one. so much happened that year. Yeah, there were a lot of, like, hijackings and natural disasters and crazies. The fall of South Vietnam yeah. happened that year. From the and they formed the Socialist Republic of Vietnam. Yeah. The Sevisto disaster happened, and it was the largest industrial accident at a chemical plant, and exposed the region to a high chemical level that was the eighth worst man-made environmental disaster in history. Yikes! Um, capital punishment was abolished in Canada that year. Nadia Comaneci, the famous gymnast, yeah. got a ten at the Summer Olympics, which was a huge, huge From thing. Romania. And Japan's former prime minister was arrested in relation to that Lockheed Martin bribery scandal that I just uh -huh. talked about a few seconds earlier. 
Um, the Son of Sam started killing in New York. Mm. The first one was in 1976. The first space shuttle was unveiled. Mm. The Space Shuttle Enterprise. Oh. There were a lot of terrorist activities that yeah. year, plane crashes and all kinds of other stuff, but actually the Ebola virus was viewed for the first time by the CDC that year, too. Whoa. Isn't that wild? God, 76 Big was swine busy. flu, Ebola virus, like all kinds of stuff it, happening. And it was the bicentennial. And red dye number four was banned by the FDA. Why? It supposedly caused cancer and oh. tumors in lab animals. Fidel Castro comes to power in Cuba. I already talked about that. Um, there was an there was an assassination attempt on Bob Marley that year. Huh? He, Bob Marley, the singer, he was shot two times and still played in a concert two days later. Whoa! What a guy, huh? I've driven past his house in Jamaica. It's wild. That's about all. Um, there was a huge oil tanker accident that year. Um, in Nantucket, Massachusetts, which was the worst oil spill. One of the worst oil spills in history happened that year. Um, Jimmy Carter became president. Yep. Rocky, farmer. Rocky Balboa came out that year. Yep. There was a tidal wave in the Philippines that killed 5,000 people. Jeez. Uh, Legionnaire's disease impacted 4,000 people at some kind of a convention in Pennsylvania, yep. which was a huge thing. Microwave ovens were getting big back then. That was like the big dollar item that you wanted to buy. They cost about 170 bucks Holy back then. Holy moly. Howard Hughes died that year. The famous yeah. Howard Hughes. Um, the $2 bill was issued for the first time that year. Oh, that's fun. Fashion was tunics and bell bottoms. Yeah, Really boxy yeah, looking things. Yeah. <laughs> Punk rock became a big thing that year mm. for the first time ever. The first officially titled punk rock um at the movies they have the omen taxi driver rocky all the president's men one flew over the cuckoo's nest and outlaw josie wales were the most popular movies that year in music it was barry manilow paul mccartney queen abba paul simon elton john rod stewart and in tv land it was six million dollar man the jeffersons kojak all in the family Maud, mash good times and the <gasps> carol burnett Carol Burnett Show. MASH is one of my all-time favorite TV shows in the history of ever. I think I have seen every single episode I own the box set. It's so good. My dad was a huge fan, and so we had to watch it every night. Oh, my God. I love it. Whether we wanted to or not. Oh, I voluntarily (laughs) watch it. Like, I'll watch it later today. I love it. So, let's talk about Chowchilla. Yeah. It's a small city in Madera County, California. Central California. Okay. It's about 88 miles from Stockton and about 40 miles from Fresno. Okay. There's two prisons there, the Central California Women's Facility and the Valley State Prison. They're both in this fair city. All right. Um, the name was actually taken from a Native American word, and it roughly translates into murderers. Oh, my. And it's kind of in reference to the warlike tribes that used to be in the area. Yeah. The city was first incorporated in 1923, and then that's about it. There's not really a whole lot else that yeah. besides this Chowchilla kidnapping thing. But well, it doesn't sound like much of anything happens in Chowchilla. No, it's a pretty low-key town, from what I can see. Yeah. But July 15th, 1976, it's around 4 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon, and Frank Edward Ray, also known as Ed, was taking 26 kids home from a summer class trip. Mm -hmm. They were at the Chowchilla Fairgrounds swimming pool. So now they're heading home after they had a nice eventful 
evening or mm-hmm. afternoon at the pool, and it's July, obviously. In, so it's like Central hot. Coast, California. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. Right. Or Central um, Valley. So anyway, I guess. yeah, it's it's sweltering. That's all I have to say. Yeah. 80s, 90s at minimum. And this group of kids is just probably, I don't know that they even had air conditioning on that bus back then, right? But you got this group of kids in this bus, and they're probably drowsy, and everyone's probably had a long, fun day full yeah. of swimming and whatnot, and they just want to go home and have dinner, right? I don't think they had air conditioning on our bus, like on school buses when no. I was a kid. Like, I just I remember, don't. like, a fan. Yeah, I don't recall ever having that. I don't even recall having a fan. They're all just kind of moseying along down the road when a van blocks this rural road and three armed men jump out oh and they've got nylon stockings over their faces okay so one guy holds his group hostage with a gun one guy drives the bus and the other one follows in the van so they drive around for a bit until the kidnappers decide to ditch the bus in a shallow part of the chowchilla river and then they load the kids into two vans okay so the windows are all blacked out, there's paneling, and it's super creepy. So these poor kids are in these vans at gunpoint, and the three men drive them around for approximately 11 hours. Jesus. Presumably to kind of disorient them. Mm-hmm. And then they take everyone to a quarry in Livermore, California. So okay. Livermore is about 115 miles from the Chowchilla area and closer to Stockton or Sacramento. Okay. In the upper part of the state. In the meantime, excuse me, in the meantime, these monsters had actually buried a moving truck in the quarry, mm-hmm. right? And they stocked it with a little bit of food and water and a bunch of mattresses. And it's July, so it's probably absolutely roasting yeah. in that truck. And they basically forced the kids to climb down this ladder with the bus driver and into the dark. Can you imagine? No. I would be just terrified. I would be like, hell no, you're going to have to shoot me because I'm not going down there. No, thanks. I mean... Hard pass. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. So the kidnappers then close the opening and they put... They kind of like brush the dirt and stuff over it so no one will be able to see where it is and they put some heavy, super heavy things on top of it to weigh it down. And then they leave. So the kids and Ray are down there for hours in the sweltering heat and they manage to stack up some mattresses and they push off two 100 pound industrial batteries away from the hole and then they dig away the debris too. Approximately 16 hours after they entered into the moving truck underground, they all climb out and go to the guard shack for help. Okay. So the police don't have to look very long and very hard for the perpetrators because the owner of the quarry had this 24-year-old son. His name was Frederick Newell Woods. Okay. And he comes under suspicion pretty quick because he has the keys to the quarry and enough access to have buried the moving truck there. Then they narrow in on his two buddies and their brothers, James and Richard Schoenfeld. Okay. 24 and 22. So these guys, semi-wealthy, nothing but trouble. One of them, the two, you know, younger guys, the brothers had been convicted of motor vehicle theft and had gotten probation for that. And a warrant was executed on the estate of the quarry owner's father, or excuse me, of the quarry owner, because he was Frederick Newell Woods' father. Right. And the police search that property and find one of the guns used in the kidnapping. And they also find a ransom note. But they don't find the three men. They had taken off. Okay. 
So the son, Frederick Newell Woods, was caught about two weeks later in Vancouver, British Columbia. Whoa, okay. So he'd gone all the way up to the border to try to get away. And James Schoenfeld had been captured earlier the same day in Menlo Park, California. And Richard voluntarily turned himself in about eight days after this whole thing went down. So they had intended to ransom these kids for about five million, which is the equivalent to about two... From the kids' parents. The what? kids that they kidnapped, they were asking, they were going to ask for $5 million. Okay. Which would have been the equivalent of about $22.7 million in today's money. Okay. But <laughs> they try to call into the Chowchilla Police Department to ask for this ransom, and the lines are blocked because media and families are searching for their kids, and so they're like calling so rapidly yeah. that the kidnappers can't get through. Right? Okay. So they go to sleep and wake up the next night to the television news report reporting that all the victims had freed themselves and were safe. Oh, so that's when they bounced. So it's like, whoops. I guess we're not very good kidnappers. We're idiots. My bad. So evidently these guys all came from pretty wealthy families, um, but they were all pretty deep in debt. So their plan was to find multiple victims, quote, we need multiple victims to get multiple millions, and we picked children because children are precious. The state would be willing to pay ransom for them, and they don't fight back. They're vulnerable. They will mind. Jesus. Right. Pretty twisted. Yeah. So there have been a lot of different um, shows and books and things that have come out and that have talked about this event, but... All three of these guys pled guilty to kidnapping for ransom and robbery. They refused to plead guilty, though, to infliction of bodily harm because a conviction on that count in conjunction with the kidnapping carried a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. So they were like, uh, no, we right. don't want to go to jail for life. They wanted the possibility of parole. Okay. So they were tried on the bodily harm charge and found guilty and given the mandatory sentence, but the convictions were overturned at the appellate court level which found that the physical injuries sustained by the children, mostly cuts and bruises, did not meet the standard for bodily harm under the law. Hmm. So they resentenced these guys to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Okay. So Richard Schoenfeld, one of the brothers, was released in 2012, and James, the other brother, was paroled August 7, 2015. Okay. So October 2019, Woods got denied parole on his 19th attempt... And Is he, like, the ringleader? Yes. Okay. He was the son of right. the quarry owner, right? right? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, just as a side note, in 2016, a workers' compensation lawsuit filed against him also revealed that he'd been running several businesses, including a gold mine and a car dealership. From prison? From prison. Yeah. What? Without notifying anyone. You can do it, but you have to notify people, and you have to pay taxes on it. Right. And so forth. So, he's actually the heir to two wealthy California families, both the Newells and the Woodses, and he inherited a trust fund from his parents that was described as being worth about $100 million. What? Isn't that crazy? So, his lawyer actually disputes this amount, but he's married three times since he's been to prison and has purchased a mansion about 30 minutes away. But what's interesting is this guy is up for parole again. So... This article came out this week, and it says, California man who kidnapped 26 children, buried them alive, is recommended for parole. So 
He kidnapped these kids in 1976, and Frederick Newell Woods was one of three gunmen who hijacked a school bus with 26 kids and their bus driver in Chowchilla, California in 1976. The men transferred the driver and children to vans and drove them 12 hours before they were buried alive in an underground truck trailer. It was considered the biggest kidnapping in U.S. history. Woods has attempted to earn parole 17 times since his conviction and was granted a recommendation by a panel of two commissioners during the 18th attempt this year. The full parole board, the board's legal division, and Governor Gavin Newsom still need to approve the recommendation. Woods and the two other kidnappers, James and Richard Schoenfeld, had wanted $5 million in ransom for the kidnapping. The driver and some older children managed to escape by digging out of the trailer while the captors slept. The children and driver did not suffer from life-threatening injuries, but reported psychological harm following the incident. Yeah. I'm 50 years old, and I have an anxiety attack over getting in the car with my husband, one of the survivors oh said. Woods and two other men were arrested about two weeks later and sentenced to life without parole. An appeals court later overturned that decision and made them ineligible for parole. As I mentioned earlier, Schoenfeld was number one, was paroled in 2012, and the younger one was paroled in 2015. Woods read an apology for the mass kidnappings on Friday, and he said he has empathy for the victims, which I didn't have then. I have a, had a character change since then. I was 24 years old, he added. Now I fully understand the terror and trauma I caused. I take res- full responsibility for this heinous act. Yikes. Okay. So, hang on one second <sighs> before we unpack this a little bit more. But Frank Edward Ray, the school bus driver. Yeah received a California School Employees Association citation for outstanding community service. Clearly, the guy, like, went above and beyond, He right? received a whole citation? Yeah, exactly. Um, he died in 2012. Um, and he still had visits at that time by many of the kids that he helped save. Yeah. And in 2015, the Sports and Leisure Park in Chowchilla was renamed the Edward Ray Park, and every February 26th was declared Edward Ray Day in Chowchilla. And these kids... They still suffer from panic attacks, nightmares, and personality change changes. Many develop fears of things like cars, the dark, the wind, kitchen, mice, dogs, and hippies. And one shot a Japanese tourist with a BB gun when the tourist car broke down in front of his home. Oh, wow. Many of the kids continue to report symptoms of trauma 25 years later. Yeah. Including substance abuse, depression, etc., just really, really bad. In 2016, 25 surviving kidnapped children settled a lawsuit they filed against their kidnappers. The money they received was paid out of Frederick Woods's trust fund. Good. And although the exact settlement amount was not disclosed, one survivor stated that they each had enough to pay for something serious like therapy, but not enough for a house. Uh. So, anyway, interesting stuff. <laughs> Unpack it. <laughs> I know you want to. Okay, like, so... This was clearly premeditated. So how yes. did they choose a school bus full of children? They determined that kids are the most vulnerable. They're not going to argue. They're not going to misbehave. No, 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 They're I know not going to struggle. But, but, like, did they know this set of kids was going to be on this school bus on that day? Like, they had to. They had to have been wandering around looking for a school bus because they already determined they were going to get a group of kids because that's where they were right. going to get the most bang for their buck. And they buried a moving van. Yeah. I don't even know how long that would take. That's just crazy. And how do you bury a minivan? I have no, I have no idea. Um, not a minivan, a moving um, van. Like a, how do you bury a moving van? Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I guess if, if it, it's a, at a quarry, they have, like, some heavy-duty equipment. But, like, 
that's so much effort for like I just don't that and what's even wilder about it is like these guys were rich like right. the one guy had like a huge trust fund right why not just wait and think and they think they're not going to get caught is like the thing that just baffles me is it just you're that stupid right or are you that narcissistic that you just think you're so much better than everyone that no one's ever going to catch you like, I mean I it's just don't gotta understand. be narcissism because like they clearly didn't intend to hurt the kids because they put like food and water and mattresses down there and they clearly had a plan to release them like that was part of their plan so I like I don't know how they didn't think they were going to get caught yeah it's it's a wild case from start to finish. Yeah. The thing is, two of them are already out, presumably living right. normal lives out on the outside now, and the third one is probably going to be released soon, too. I don't know. And the fact that he's like this multi-million dollar dude that's been married three times and is running all these businesses out of prison just blows my mind. Like, that's... I don't know that he'll be released. Like, clearly prison hasn't been that bad for him. Yeah. Like... I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, this is just, like, I knew that this was, like, I knew this case in the sense that I knew that there was a kidnapping and that they, the driver helped them escape. I did yeah. not know this much about, like, the people that actually committed the crime. Like, this he is. He might not make the final cut on this, though. I know that the board has, yeah. like, approved it so far, but it says over the years, reasons given for denials have included his continued minimization of his yeah. crime as well as disciplinary infractions for possession of contraband pornography and cell phones. Yeah, like he's not really trying to... definitely not toeing the line. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, speaking of like Gavin Newsom and parole in California, Leslie Van Houten was just like... She has been recommended for parole three or four times now from the Charlie... Who's she? She's from the Charlie Manson Oh, yeah. Um, She's been recommended for parole by the parole board three or four times, and each time Gavin Newsom has... Rejected, it? yeah, he's rejected their recommendation. So he's pretty strict on his guidance for release of parolees. I mean, he has been with the Manson people, the Manson but, crew. Yeah, but like, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I don't like follow his record with parolees, but like, I just I I do. I have seen that he's rejected the Manson. Um, right, but these guys didn't kill anyone. Right, but like he also. But this guy also doesn't really seem to have been like. No trying remorse, to re- like. rehabilitate in any capacity and he's gonna get access to his trust fund when he gets out like nothing about his life is going to have changed he's just gonna yeah. be older so yeah. i don't know like i don't know well presumably now that he's this much older he's aged out of crime right like he's not gonna go do something stupid right like this well again, and he's right? got all the access to money it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like reparations have been Paid. Yeah, like it I just guess seems like it's a it's thing. a reward for him doing a criminal act. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting that the survivors really have only gotten enough to pay for therapy and not yeah, that's to buy some a house, BS. Which means they probably only got like seventy five thousand something like of that right. nature, right? Each, which is not very much. No, considering this guy has a hundred million dollars. Well, and considering how like when they were what like ten, eleven, twelve when this happened, and like how this completely derailed their potential futures like yeah that, 26 people yeah just ruined their yeah. futures yeah so no that's not that's not sufficient yeah it's interesting so 63 years old 
for the older brother when he got paroled and fifty seven for the younger brother when he got paroled but they both been paroled so why should frederick not be well i when the other two have been so the one that turned himself and i understand why he was paroled the other one it sounds like was just another like go along guy and this this guy sounds like he was the main ringleader so maybe the reason why he got longer is because he's the one that planned the whole thing. That's what it sounds like. And they like. just kind of were along for the ride. That's what it sounds like. I have no idea, but like that's... But $5 million seems like a ton of money back then. A ton of money. I don't know where they thought this was. they were going to come up with that. I don't know. They said that the state, they thought the state was going to help the kids come up with that money. Yeah, that's why I was asking, it like, just, who they were ransoming it from, because it, there's no way they were going to get $5 million from the parents. Like, that's just crazy. It seemed very, very poorly planned. Yeah. Poorly thought out. Like, well-planned in the sense that they buried a freaking moving van, but, like, poorly says, thought out. the state out. of California would be willing to pay ransom from them, and they won't fight back. They're vulnerable. Like, that's just... So, clearly, their plan was to try to get... Which seems... Like, when have you ever heard of a state paying ransom for somebody? Well, yeah, there's a reason you don't hear about it, because they don't... Because it doesn't happen. It's not a thing. Well, it does, but it happens in, like, big corporations and, like, out-of-country, like, kidnappings. It doesn't happen. Like, the state of California is not paying somebody else in the state of California ransom. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. Like, corporations pay, and the government pays, like, if you get kidnapped in Africa or Mexico or something like that. But, like, they don't advertise it yeah and you know i've heard probably three or four podcasts about this one too and seen like i think a 2020 episode where they interviewed all the kids now yeah and like where they're at and kind of showed how they're doing now and it just seems like there's a lot of suffering still going on even all these years later that's so messed up just feel a lot of compassion for them because honestly like i would have been like you're gonna have to shoot me i'm not going down in that hole see that like i wouldn't have been able to like push back like that I would just be like okay I don't know what else to do so I'm just gonna follow the rules and like I don't know like I I don't have the strength to like stand up like that yeah no no not at all yeah well in any case I wish nothing but healing for these poor little absolutely yeah California governor reverses parole board decision to release Charles Manson follower Leslie Van Houten this, yeah, this just came out yesterday. Yeah, yeah. What is that X on her forehead? Okay, so you remember when he went to prison and he carved the X into his forehead and all of the followers, all the... Was it a swastika? No, it's or not an a, it's a It's an X. Oh, wow. They, like, carved it. All, like, he did it first, and then all of his followers did, did it. it. Yes, because... And that was, like... just wild. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows a story about... You know, everybody knows that story has been done, but like basically, I just watched a thing about it, and the prosecutor was like, Yeah, you know, that actually helped our case because our whole thing was trying to say that Manson, like, had such mind control over these people that he made them commit these crimes. And so, them, yeah. like, doing that was like, Actually, you're helping our case. Showing yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of them, like, there's um, the thing I just watched, I think it was on Oxygen, but it was called, like, The Women, and it's a, it's, with the like women who were in the family and like a couple of them are like completely denounce it and a couple of them still defend it like it was why yeah it was crazy um but evidently according to this article california governor gavin newsom on tuesday blocked parole for charles manson follower leslie van 
she's the last one. Well, she's the last female left. She's 72 years old, and they say she currently poses an unreasonable danger to society for release from prison at this time, Mr. Newsom said in his parole review. It was the fifth time that a California governor has rejected her release. Her attorney disputed that view and said the decision will be appealed in court. He accused Mr. Newsom of rejecting parole because he's worried about his political future and noted that Van Houten was a spotless, has a spotless prison disciplinary record. We're not fighting over Leslie being a good person. She's proven that through her actions for over half a century. She is now serving a life sentence for helping Manson and others kill Los Angeles grocer Lino LaBianca and his wife Rosemary. Mm-hmm. In August 1969, Van Houten was 19 when she and other cult members fatally stabbed the LaBiancas and smeared the couple's blood on the walls the day before another Manson, excuse me, the day before other Manson followers, not including Van Houten, killed a pregnant actress Sharon Tate and four others. In his rejection letter, Mr. Newsom noted that she had undergone therapy, earned educational degrees, and taken self-help classes in prison and had shown increased maturity and rehabilitation. But Van Houten also has gaps and insight that continue to make her a danger to society, he said. She has had 21 parole hearings since 1981. Most parole boards denied her bid for freedom, and five panels have recommended her release since 2016, saying she'd expressed remorse and was no longer a threat to public safety. And Newsom rejected a recommendation made last November, and he previously reversed parole recommendations in 2019 and 20. Mm -hmm. In February, the California Supreme Court refused to hear her appeal of the 2020 rejection. Previous Governor Jerry Brown rejected her parole hearing in, in 2016 and 18, and Manson died in 2017 of natural causes at a California hospital while serving a life sentence. Yeah. So, yeah. And wow. A couple of them have since been released. Susan Atkins was one of the ones who was at the Sharon Tate murders. Um, she was recommended for parole a couple times, and that was rejected. And she was recommended also for parole on, like, um, What's it called? Like health grounds when you have like a terminal illness. Yeah. She had brain cancer, yeah. but she she died in prison. She was she was the one that said she got like sexual pleasure from stabbing. Oh. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. So, you know. Anyway, all this to say, I don't know if what's his face is going to get parole. Gavin Newsom, you know. Woods. Yeah. yeah. I guess we'll wait and find out. Yeah. And provide that update when it happens. But anyway, yeah. So all of that, we, I mean, we don't need to get into I think the, the cases are a little different. They, oh, entirely <laughs> I would say, different. But, but that's just, we'll you see. know, that's, I'm just saying, Gavin Newsom, he, he's not one, he doesn't like immediately take the recommendation. Like, I guess it's kind of my point. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, so that was just another interesting thing that happened this week. So, yeah. Well, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send us an email. We're at the BFD podcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you guys. It kind of inspires us to do other research and cover topics that we haven't necessarily covered. It also makes us happy when you say nice things. <laughs> so say nice things. Please. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're at the BFD podcast at gmail.com. We'll throw that into the show notes. What about our social media, Darcy? We are at the BFD podcast on Instagram. So we will post all kinds of pictures because there's a ton of pictures from this case, from the Chowchilla case. Yeah. Um, of the bus and the van, just the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, so we'll post a lot and of the, stuff there. And the kidnappers, yeah. yeah. They're they're pretty interesting looking. Yeah, of course, yeah. Who yeah, wasn't interesting so looking in 76, though, let's be real. Seriously, <laughs> for real. And please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Keep it real.